0: Section 60 of Russia, Austria-Hungary, the Balkan States, and Turkey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 6, Russia, Austria-Hungary, the Balkan States, and Turkey edited by eva march tappan section sixty how maria theresa of austria became king seventeen forty by john s c abbott never was a sovereign in more pressing difficulties as has been said seldom has a kingdom been in a more deplorable condition than was austria on the morning when the sceptre passed into the hands of maria theresa there were not forty thousand dollars in the treasury the state was enormously in debt the whole army did not amount to more than thirty thousand men widely dispersed clamoring for want of pay and almost entirely destitute of the materials for war the vintage had been cut off by the frost producing great distress in the country there was a famine in vienna and many were starving for want of food the peasants in the neighborhood of the metropolis were rising in insurrection ravaging the fields in search of gain while rumors were industriously circulated that the government was dissolved that the succession was disputed and that the duke of bavaria was on the march with an army to claim the crown the distant provinces were anxious to shake off the austrian yoke bohemia was agitated and the restless barons of hungary were upon the point of grasping their arms and under the protection of turkey of claiming their ancestral hereditary rights notwithstanding the untiring efforts of the emperor to obtain the assent of europe to the pragmatic sanction footnote the pragmatic sanction was a decree of charles the sixth that as he was the last of the habsburg males the crown should now pass to the male in line that is to maria theresa in some countries of europe only a male could be the legitimate heir in others it might be either a male or a female. In Austria the custom varied. End of footnote. Many influential courts refused to recognize the right of Maria Theresa to the crown. The ministers were desponding, irresolute, and incapable. Maria Theresa was young, quite inexperienced, and in delicate health. Besides these troubles, Frederick of Prussia demanded a large slice of the Austrian domain, and had taken steps to enforce his demand with his sword the editor the cause of maria theresa was now to human vision desperate immense armies were invading her realms prague was invested vienna threatened with immediate siege her treasury was empty her little army defeated and scattered she was abandoned by her allies and nothing seemed to remain for her but to submit to her conquerors hungary still clung firmly to the queen and she had been crowned at Presburg with boundless enthusiasm. An eyewitness has thus described this scene. The coronation was magnificent. The queen was all charm. She rode gallantly up the royal mount, a hillock in the vicinity of Presburg, which the new sovereign ascends on horseback, and waving a drawn sword, defied the four corners of the world. In a manner to show that she had no occasion for that weapon to conquer all who saw her, the antiquated crown received new graces from her head and the old tattered robe of saint stephen became her as well as her own rich habit if diamonds pearls and all sorts of precious stones can be called clothes she had but recently risen from the bed of confinement and the delicacy of her appearance added to her attractions a table was spread for a public entertainment round which all the dignitaries of the realm were assembled dukes who could lead thousands of troops into the field bold barons with their bronzed followers whose iron sinews had been toughened in innumerable wars it was a warm summer day and the cheeks of the youthful queen glowed with the warmth and with the excitement of the hour her beautiful hair fell in ringlets upon her shoulders and over her full bosom she sat at the head of the table all queenly in loveliness and imperial in character the bold high-spirited nobles who surrounded her could appreciate her position assailed by half the monarchies of europe and left alone to combat them all their chivalrous enthusiasm was thus aroused the statesmen of vienna had endeavored to dissuade the queen from making any appeal to the hungarians when charles the sixth made an effort to secure their assent to the pragmatic sanction the war-worn barons replied haughtily we are accustomed to be governed by men not by women the ministers at vienna feared therefore that the very sight of the queen youthful frail and powerless would stir these barons to immediate insurrection and that they would scorn such a sovereign to guide them in the fierce wars which her crown involved but maria theresa better understood human nature she believed that the same barons who would resist the demands of the emperor charles the sixth would rally with enthusiasm around a defenseless woman, appealing to them for aid. The cordiality and ever increasing glow of ardor with which she was greeted at the coronation and at the dinner encouraged her hopes. She summoned all the nobles to meet her in the great hall of the castle. The hall was crowded with as brilliant an assemblage of rank and power as Hungary could furnish. The queen entered, accompanied by her retinue. She was dressed in deep mourning, in the Hungarian costume with the crown of saint stephen upon her brow and the regal scimitar at her side with a majestic step she traversed the apartment and ascended the platform or tribune from whence the kings of hungary were accustomed to address their congregated lords all eyes were fixed upon her and the most solemn silence pervaded the assemblage the latin language was then in hungary the language of diplomacy and of the court all the records of the kingdom were preserved in that language and no one spoke in the deliberations of the diet but in the majestic tongue of ancient Rome. The queen, after a pause of a few moments, addressing them in Latin, said, The disastrous situation of our affairs has moved us to lay before our dear and faithful states of Hungary the recent invasion of Austria, the danger now impending over this kingdom, and a proposal for the consideration of a remedy. The very existence of the kingdom of Hungary, of our own person, of our children, and our crown is now at stake. Forsaken by all, we place our sole resource in the fidelity, arms, and long-tried valor of the Hungarians, exhorting you, the states and orders, to deliberate without delay in this extreme danger on the most effectual measures for the security of our person, of our children, and of our crown, to carry them into immediate execution. In regard to ourselves, the faithful states and orders of Hungary shall experience our hearty cooperation in all things which may promote the pristine happiness of this ancient kingdom, and the honor of the people. The response was instantaneous and emphatic. A thousand warriors drew their sabers half out of their scabbards, and then thrust them back to the hilt with a clangor, like the clash of swords on the field of battle. Then with one voice they shouted, "'Murray more! Pro non regis!" maria Teresa, we will die for our sovereign king maria Teresa. the queen until now had preserved a perfectly calm and composed demeanour but this outburst of enthusiasm overpowered her and forgetting the queen she pressed her handkerchief to her eyes and burst into a flood of tears no manly heart could stand this unmoved every eye was moistened every heart throbbed with admiration and devotion and a scene of indescribable enthusiasm ensued Hungary was now effectually roused, and Maria Theresa was queen of all hearts. Every noble was ready to march his vassals, and to open his purse at her bidding. All through the wide-extended realm, the enthusiasm rolled like an inundation. The remote tribes, on the banks of the Sav, the Thys, the Drave, and the lower Danube, flocked to her standards. They came semi-savage bands, in uncouth garb, and speaking unintelligible tongues, croats, pandors, Slavonians and Tolpox. germany was astounded at the spectacle of these wild fierce men apparently as tameless and as fearless as wolves the enthusiasm spread rapidly all over the states of austria the young men and especially the students in the universities espoused the cause of the queen with deathless fervor vienna was strongly fortified all hands engaging in the work so wonderful was this movement that the allies were alarmed they had already become involved in quarrels about the division of the anticipated booty frederick of prussia was the first to implore peace the elector of bavaria was a rival sovereign and frederick preferred seeing austria in the hands of the queen rather than in the hands of the elector he was therefore anxious to withdraw from the confederacy and to oppose the allies the queen as anxious as frederick to come to an accommodation sent an ambassador to ascertain his terms in laconic phrase characteristic of this singular man he returned the following answer all lower cilicia the river nice for the boundary the town of nice as well as glatz beyond the odour the ancient limits to continue between the duchies of Brague and obalon breslau for us the affairs of religion in statu quo no dependence on bohemia a cession for ever in return we will proceed no further we will besiege nice for form the commandant shall surrender and depart we will pass quietly into winter quarters and the austrian army may go where they will let the whole be concluded in twelve days these terms were assented to the king promised never to ask any further territory from the queen and not to act offensively against the queen or any of her allies though the queen placed not the slightest confidence in the integrity of the prussian monarch she rejoiced in this treaty which enabled her to turn all her attention to her other foes. End of section sixty. This recording is in the public domain.